0: Jai Jai Sitya Tanya Daya Nityananda Jaya Dvita Chandra Daya Gauravakta Vinda Maya Badi Vasya Sunile Hoya Sarvanasa That by hearing the commentary of impersonalism everything will be lost. Hmm. So why is that so it is because sankara acharya is a powerful personality and sankara acharya has taken vedic arguments and presents them in a systematic way and in this way can uh, can confuse the minds of uh, of people that have uh, um, not fully understood uh, all the Vedic conclusions. Now, um, okay. One second, I just have to start up, type in a code. Come on. It's open. Okay. Yes. So, um, when we are dealing with Mayavad, and we deal with it in a lecture, uh, and try to cover a whole chapter like the uh, Madhya Leela chapter six, the liberation of Sarva Bhavan then it is uh, quite voluminous and there is so much there that it's difficult. So initially, I had some. Uh, I was looking at the chapter and at the topic and it's just putting it off and off and off because. It was a lot of work. Mm. So today, I want to start uh, with a slightly more uh, general approach. And the first thing I want to talk about is uh, something that may resonate more in contemporary society. And that is stillness. We're living in a world which is full of... uh, full of mental pressure, uh, much more so than in a traditional society. And therefore, it is not surprising that in spirituality today, uh, stillness is coming to the forefront. Stillness is simply allowing the mind to just... Detach to allow uh, the mind to to empty itself. Uh, it seems quite quite natural because uh, so many impressions are entering into our mind, and these impressions they stay with us and they burden us and uh, uh, as we live in our fast-paced, urban, artificial, urban society, um, our consumer uh, production-driven uh, society, it creates, uh, yeah, it it creates a lot of pressure on people. Uh, for performance, which has to translate into money, and so uh, a more natural way of life uh, sometimes appears to be uh, easier. Well, whatever may be, stillness, uh, stillness as a uh, as a way to become to be free. Um, that is something where we uh, we can connect to, we can desire to um, enter into, and uh, if I take, um, uh, yeah, this 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 then in Buddhism, in, there is a term called samata, uh, samata in the in the Pali language. Uh, which is of course close to Sanskrit and we can see the word Sama in there. Uh, equipoist or equal, equal, equalness, uh, one might say. Balancedness. Uh, so samata. Yes. Um in uh in maya the mayavadis they generally are approaching the same the same principle and they and they speak of shanti uh, shanti is the same stillness uh, we find in uh, in other spiritual traditions also extensively stillness coming forward christians are practicing stillness uh, we see uh, the Christian uh, monks, especially the Orthodox Church, has plenty of such uh, stillness. Uh, when I looked in the uh, Philokalia, uh, which uh, is is a significant work from the uh, Orthodox Church. So if I uh, if I just do a quick search hope oh, I'll do a quick search Stillness Oh stillness search searching searching mm, searching for a long time. Before it did it quite well. Hmm. I don't know what happened now. It's not really working. Oh, gosh, try again. Please. Okay. Well, while the thing is trying to, I don't know why it worked. Ah, here it is. Yeah. Oh no! It disappeared when I touched the screen. I got it back. Um, So we'll just uh, look a little bit. In addition to all that I've said so far, you should consider now other lessons which the way of stillness teaches and do what I tell you. Sit in your cell and concentrate your intellect. Remember the day of death. Visualize the dying of your body. Reflect on this calamity. Experiencing, Experience the pain. Reject the vanity of this world. Its compromises and crises so that you may continue in the way of stillness and not weaking. Call to mind also what is even now going on in hell. Think of the suffering, the bitter silence, the terrible moaning, the great fear and agony, the dread of what is to come, the unceasing pain, the endless weeping. Remember too the day of your resurrection and how you will stand before God. Imagine that fearful and awesome judgment seat. Picture all that awaits those who sin. Their shame before God the Father and his anointed before angels, archangels, principalities, and all mankind. Think of all the forms of punishment, the eternal fire, the worm that does not die, the abyss of darkness, the gnashing of teeth, the terrors and the torments. Okay. Then picture all the blessings that await the righteous, intimate communion with God the Father and his anointed, With angels, archangels, principalities, and all the saints, the kingdoms and its gifts, the gladness and the joy. Mm. So so they use the stillness. uh, The stillness as a process to work through the fears. Uh, So here, uh, this is from Evagrius, the solitary and uh, outline teaching on asceticism and stillness in the solitary life. Uh, And uh, the whole idea is uh, to go through all these, these things and all these, all these, the fears, the barriers, to go through them and beyond them, uh, so all this is is quite similar to uh, to what I, what what other uh, more Eastern traditions are following. Uh, here is like. Uh, But I didn't find now what I found earlier today, (laughs) which I wanted to read to you. Uh, I don't know. The concept of stillness comes up many times. Those who have only just renounced the world find stillness hard to practice. For memory now is time to stir up all the filth that is within them whereas previously it had no chance to do this because of many preoccupations. But though, but though hard to practice, stillness will in time free the intellect from being disturbed by impure thoughts, since the aim is to cleanse the soul and purify it. Hmm. So we recognize that that. Uh, Stillness is is sought is sought by many, um, the desert fathers, the uh, hermits who have withdrawn from the world, and uh, and we find that it exists both or in exists in the Buddhist uh, understanding, which winds up with Nirvana, that it exists in the. Uh, in the impersonal and understanding, which winds up with Brahman, uh, we can see that it exists in in uh, in a concept of uh, of, of Christianity, oh. and then we can can look and we can possibly also we also encounter some uh, impersonalism in Christianity. Uh, uh, some of the famous personalities that uh, have been identified as impersonalists in the Christian tradition are Meister Eckhart from Germany, who basically uh, directly claimed um, that he was God and uh, and that that was really the, the, the proper understanding and who was uh, uh, even even banned from the church, excommunicated. And uh, there's also St. John of the Cross, uh, a mystic and a Spanish mystic. And we see that uh, there are also elements of impersonalism there. And in general, we can also see how gradually, uh, in the more Christianity developed over time, that impersonalism may have also entered. Um, for example, in uh, in a traditional sense, where God is like uh, a a uh, a personal being. Uh, and that there is the kingdom of God somewhere on the clouds, there's a God and angels and so on. All that is kind of uh, in, in more modern times really uh, put aside to a God who is uh, more all-pervading, uh, all-pervading love, um, the ultimate... Controller, but a direct form is not really uh, added to that, uh, that God. Um, in Islam, although we discussed Islam the, the other day and the attributes in Islam, and there are the uh, 99 names of Allah which do uh, describe various qualities. Uh, they still a little vague, so there also there there could easily be an impersonal understanding. Mm. In India, it is sankaracharya who presented impersonalism based on the uh, on the Vedas and Buddha who presented uh, his impersonal philosophy. Mm. Um, So in all of them, there is shanti. Then there is the verse uh, quoted from the uh, Mahabharata, which uh, I will turn to. Um, Just a moment. Yes. Uh, Which is the verse from the uh, Vishnu Sahasranama Stotra uh, where Lord Chaitanya is mentioned. Suvarna varna he maṅgo varangas changanangadi krit chama chamāsanto nistasanti parāyana In his early pastimes he appears as a householder with a golden complexion. His limbs are beautiful and his body smeared with the pulp of sandalwood Seems like molten gold. His, in his later pastime, he accepts the Sannyas order, and he's equipoised poised and peaceful. He is the highest abode of peace and devotion, for he silences the impersonalist non-devotees. That is uh, one translation given in uh, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Adi Lila, three forty-nine. Uh, Mr. Uh, Shanti So this, if we look at this, that he is Shanti that he is completely absorbed in in, in peace. Uh, okay. Um, so we understand that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is uh, is like. Uh, experiencing this uh, these waves of love, these waves of ecstasy. So it is very different from the um, the empty mind we're seeing there great symptoms of, uh, of ecstasy and uh, and these great symptoms of ecstasy are uh, uh, are very strong uh, in the Anchalila uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's experience is overwhelming, and uh, the waves of love of God are now too much. Uh, so how does shanti, peace, fit in, or stillness, how does that fit in into Krishna consciousness? Uh, now that is, a, I think, is a big question, um, especially... Um When we encounter people who have uh, practiced uh, s- different types of meditation to uh, to find that stillness. Uh, although they may have also encountered uh, limitations in the stillness uh, in the sense that uh, merely focusing, on some sort of all-pervading light or all-pervading energy is 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 difficult. It's difficult to uh, to remain there. Mm. Mm. So the Vaishnava, in in many ways, the first level. Uh, the first levels of uh, experiencing peace or shanti are the same as the impersonalist, or as the as, as we found in in Christian, let's say, Cartesian monks or Orthodox uh, monks. Same thing. We find detachment. From, the, uh, from worldly affairs and therefore detachment from the preoccupation of so many concerns in relation to the world. Um, that we see, and we see that uh, renunciation then uh, is, is also there. Uh, we're seeing in Raghunadas, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, very rigid renunciation, and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu itself is a sannyasi, also strict renunciation. And, and, and both of them are, uh, are uh, you yeah, know, they're, they're following uh, difficult principles in controlling their eating, very basic sleeping, cutting sleeping, six Goswamis. Uh, they're hardly eating or hardly sleeping um, they're giving it up. So we do see in amongst Lord Chaitanya himself and his following uh, we see that uh, there is some renunciation. Uh, we see the same in, uh, in in practitioners or Buddhist monks or impersonalist monks or followers or in, uh, in, in Christian monks uh, uh, or in just uh, individual seekers who are turning away from the world as hermits. We see the same thing. We see this thing of very fr- of frugal eating and just living on some herbs and living in very simple dwellings and so on. Um, all with the aim of minimizing the uh, involvement with the material energy. So these things uh, are found in both. Um, then we see that uh, there is, is a fork, one could say, on the road, where the between the monists and the theists. And the monists, they turn towards emptiness or or Brahman, which is also free from any variety or form or thereof and and, uh, give up uh, their own sense of individuality and try to merge with that that spiritual energy try to realize their oneness with that spiritual energy and try to uh, see that spiritual energy as all that really is Uh, okay now in the brahman sense so the mayavadis so this is uh, this is different than the vaishnavas who have also turned away from the uh, material uh, entanglement. So both spiritualists if are, are coming from the same material entanglement where so many tentacles are just stretched in all directions and then come out with a trunk of renunciation and and are then branching in two directions, branching into merging, into the impersonal aspect, into all-pervading energy without quality, without uh, any, any experience, really, any variety of experience, to the personalist side, the theist side of, of relating to a personal deity, and when relating to the Supreme Lord, an eternal personal deity, then we see that personalists or theists are entering into an eternal relationship with that eternal, uh, eternal being, right? And uh, yeah, so there is 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 a great distinction, uh, and. Uh, when it comes to the uh, relationship with Krishna, uh, then, and, and the followers of Krishna, then the focus on that eternal experience in the relationship with the, uh, with the uh, Supreme Lord is, uh, that is the exclusive focus, there's nothing else. And then they enter, they spend all their time in deeply exploring the endless uh, attributes of the Supreme Lord, his qualities and his, and they make that their preoccupation. Um, and uh, and they chant the names of the Lord, that they, they chant the glories of the Lord. And by doing so, um, they become more and more absorbed in in the Supreme Lord and their understanding of him expands and expands and their attachment to him expands and expands and their love for him expands, expands and it becomes uh, a very deeply emotional experience um. Uh, the Shanti, uh, the Shanti in this regards, uh, the Shanti of being free, of being totally free from any uh, any distraction. Uh, that is there. That is there. There's no question of 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 the uh, situation of the current. Uh, materialist who is on the waves of uh, whatever is happening Uh, the three modes of material nature are throwing up an endless variety of circumstances and these circumstances are like waves and the conditioned soul is just grabbed by these waves and thrown here and thrown there and lifted up and thrown down and up and down and going through uh, an endless, endless experience, and of course, the uh, the conditioned soul may think this is the beauty. This is the beauty of life. The um, one who is interested in karma is trying to manipulate the waves of material existence and and surf on them and ride them, and in this way try to enjoy the waves and seize the waves as, as, a, as a beautiful journey of discovery. And the jnani, the, the, the philosopher is questioning um, what is the, since the waves are all temporary, what is the ultimate uh, meaning of it and what is it? leading to, and what is the goal, and and they they inquire, and then uh, many may come to an impersonal uh, conclusion. Um, And why is that so? Well, there's one element in uh, impersonalism versus personal. Um, If we argue like this, here is the uh, material world the material world is full of its endless uh, varieties and forms and so on so now if we start reasoning through logic one might think that whatever is the nature of matter uh, must be the opposite of the nature of spirit. So if there is quality and form in matter, then in spirit, it would not be there. Mm. Therefore, the logic says spirit should be, should have no form and no qualities in personalist logic. Of course, that is. Uh, that is based on one assumption, that spirit and matter are two opposites. And it's it's quite, and logically one could easily make the case, whatever is, is spirit cannot be matter, whatever is matter cannot be spirit. Therefore, spirit is, must be impersonal. So many philosophers have come to impersonal conclusions. However, we are uh, saying, no, uh, that is not the case. Um, The material energy is finding its origin in the Supreme Lord. There is no matter. Matter is also spirit. It is also spiritual in its origin. And therefore, it reflects its spiritual origin, and although that reflection is perverted, right? It still resembles its original, uh, original spiritual nature. Yes, so they're not opposites because, rather, matter is part of spirit. It's just another part of spirit. So. There comes the Vaishnava understanding, uh, the Pratibimba philosophy, how the material world is the reflection of the, of the spiritual world, but the shadow reflection, the perverted reflection. Uh, the shadow has the same contours as the original form, etc., but it lacks many of the qualities, right? it, it, it lacks the quality of touch, it lacks like, it. it Lacks the quality of color. It, it uh, three dimensions only two dimensions, and so on. So the shadow is is far from the original, and uh, so within the reflection of the material world, although the shapes and forms are resembling the spiritual world, and although tastes in the spiritual in the material world are. Uh, are imitations of the taste in the spiritual world, but also perverted. Um, They cannot, they can never match the the actual tastes or mellows of the spiritual world. Therefore, we see some level of rasa, in the spiritual world, but also a level, some level of rasa in the material world, right? the imitative rasa, and we can see that this imitation rasa uh, is keeps us going. Uh, we have we're imitating the love affairs of Krishna, life after life, uh, in the material world. Uh, between man and woman and so on and, and many more varieties. So all this is, uh, is somehow or other uh, the extension of the material energy, uh, but now in a perverted way, yeah? and therefore counted as the perverted reflection of the spiritual, so we see that uh, now we see that that uh, in Plato's writing, uh, this comes up in his cave analogy. Uh, there comes up the the concept that matter is the projection of uh, of, of, of of the spiritual reality. Hmm. Uh, we find. Uh, we find uh, uh, other aspects of of, uh, impersonalism. Uh, As as Christianity, mm, which maybe in a more traditional form had a more uh, conceptual understanding of the Supreme Lord, had to go, had to face modernity and was under attack of science. Uh, it is uh, it is easier to uh, write off a portion of uh, the more uh, personalist portion uh, of the of, of the Christian theology as uh, as as mythological. Mm. And to have more a concept of an all-pervading uh, all-pervading divinity. Mm. So when we speak about an all-pervading divinity, it already begins to wreak more of impersonalism mm. Then when Christianity systematically, drove out the, uh, the, the demigods uh, which were uh, being worshipped from previous cultures. Right? The Greek culture or in the cultures of Europe, um, there were all uh, various concept of demigods in control. When the demigods were, were driven out, Then we also saw that uh, that created an image of there is a god, but uh, he creates the machine, and then the machine itself is an impersonal thing. Um, So by removing the demigods, one has uh, also removed... The idea that everything in the universe is controlled by a personality, and it it opens up uh, the whole modern worldview of a uh, mechanistic model. Then, when we are questioning, uh, you know, questioning uh, God as uh, then, then uh, we can simply question uh, how did everything come into being? And if we say everything is eternal, then uh, then we don't need a God anymore. Right? Then there's no creation. then uh, everything was anyway already going on in in a mechanistic way. So then we can easily, uh, dismiss God, um, so we can see how ultimately um, gradually um, atheism uh, gained ground and with it also a more and more impersonalist view, uh, how everything in the world is just uh, uh, is there's, there's no personalities involved in, in uh, maybe in a, in a earlier ideas of the wind being controlled by some some entity um, that is now written off to the realm of uh, of fairy tale uh, to entertain children, you know? some. Cloud-like personality with big, big cheeks, blowing, and the wind is just phew, clothes are flapping. Um, all that is uh, is is now reduced to the realm of fairy tale, hmm. and so this is good ground for impersonalism. Um, and. Um, so, the topic of uh, how deeply rooted impersonalism is in the in the Western world is uh, is a very interesting topic, um, uh, and we can see how between how the Reformation. Um, Reformation uh, was a very significant uh, significant change in, in uh, European history because um, besides that it was born out of the corruption in the church and that uh, Luther was, uh, um, was exposing that. Uh, we also see that uh, it, uh, as as a response to this uh, corruption, uh, I mentioned that uh, that many things were uh, were happening, and one was that the uh, uh, the Bible was translated into local language so that people could now go directly without having to go through through the priest. And I made some parallel with uh, at, at Lord Chaitanya's time. And uh, also, one other thing that, uh, that happened in Europe is that uh, the, uh, the Protestant churches became much more austere. And uh, And because the uh, Catholic Church had made uh, a lot out of relics, uh, uh, everything had become a source of collecting donations. So here is some holy item, there is a holy item, and you know you will be blessed by this. You will be blessed by that. So, in in the in the in the Reformed Church, um, they basically uh, made it much more austere. They got rid of all these relics. They just basically focused on God, and and uh, no more images. Uh, no longer the uh, the church filled with images of saints and deities, all, uh, nothing, just no images whatsoever, just one, uh, Jesus on the cross, that remained. But otherwise, they stripped the church of all its images. And uh, there was even... Uh, a period huh? where, where, all these, uh, where across Europe, with the, uh, with the, uh, uh, yeah, uh, with this whole Reformation, where uh, they start to smash all the images and all the churches across. Europe, uh, but again, uh, it, it, uh, it also uh, in some sense uh, laid the ground for more impersonalism uh, as less and less approaching, going through personalities. And more and more, going direct to God, and not through any deity, but just the relationship, the direct relationship with God. Then, if if God is not very defined, uh, then there, uh, then in the end, one has to cut only one one connection. Actually, you know. When we look at things in a rationalistic way, there are other explanations why things came into being, how things are functioning. Oh, uh, yes, we just cut off God and uh, put him on the shelf in a museum. Very nice. And we have moved on from there. And uh, so we can see how uh, it contributed to to an impersonal view and uh, and how the materialism uh, of the western world uh, also is needs to uh, to reconnect with dependence on a deity mm, and dependence on many deities on many levels um, and that there are Deities, there are demigods who are to be respected. Now, Vaishnavas will not uh, worship all the different deities and make an offering here and offering there to pacify all the deities, so that all the natural circumstances are fine. They see that all this is fulfilled in one stroke, uh, with by serving by service to the supreme Lord. But nonetheless. Offering respects to all the all the various deities, uh, the demigods. At the same time, we are respectful to them. No need for worship, but but respectfulness is there. Uh, yes, we are not doing a puja towards the sun, but we are recognizing the uh, importance. Of the sun and so on, and all the other deities. Well, in this way, uh, impersonalism certainly existed in a uh, in the in the movement of uh, of of that of the hippie movement that existed when Srila Prabhupada's movement was beginning in the West and the influence of Buddhism and Eastern impersonalism uh, and and Western impersonalist philosophy was certainly uh, uh, certainly widely spread um, and still today so uh, when we detach the uh, impersonalism a little bit from the text from the text of the Chaitanya Charatangrita, uh, then we see how impersonalism may exist in so many features and how it and how it has relevance to the, person, to the people of today. So we can say that the chanting of Hare Krishna is also uh, creating creating peace in the mind. Because um, the mind that is agitated by and becomes more and more agitated by its attachment to endless material objects that are not under its control, that creates a great anxiety and agitation. And as the, through the process of chanting the holy name of the Lord, the mind is shifting its attention to the Supreme Lord. And so the mind also becomes peaceful from all that material agitation. And and Prabhupada explains that spiritual life is like rising up in a plane and that one rises above the material anxieties and everything material now looks so small and so insignificant. So, in this way, uh, we can see that the chanting of Hare Krishna is also bringing peace. But then, besides that same sense of shanti, that same sense of liberation from the Material entanglement, there is the attachment to Krishna that begins to develop. So we see Brahma Buddha Prasanatman and Klingstatina Society, Samasariv is Bhutisumat Bhaktin Param. Brahma Buddha is the state of realizing Brahman, which means detachment from all the material entanglement, absorbed then. In an inner satisfaction, on the realizing one is spirit and not this body, and then entering on towards the uh, yeah to the uh, level of uh, of uh, deep absorption and expression. Of devotion and expressing that in service to Krishna. Madhbhaktim labhate param. And in this way, the ultimate goal is is attained. So there's a whole dimension opening up, a dimension of exploring the transcendental taste. But there is at the same time the same foundation of, of liberation from material entanglement. And therefore, we can say Shanti Parayana. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.